in this edition of Hoopsology, Matt and Justin chat with the associate producer for Bleacher Report, Morgan Allison. Morgan also has extensive experience working on TNT's Inside the NBA, and she gives her first-hand accounts with working on the best NBA show on television. We get her stories about Ernie, Kenny, Shaq, and Charles, popular segments, and a lot more. If you ever want to get the behind the scenes of Inside the NBA, you don't want to miss this podcast. Uh, Morgan had a lot of great insights, so please check this out. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest shows. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Morgan Allison. She's currently the associate producer for Bleacher Report, and she worked on Inside the NBA on TNT. We have the pleasure of welcoming Morgan Allison onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Morgan? Going great. How are you guys doing? Doing really well. Thanks for joining us. And it's tradition on our show, since we focus not only on the NBA, just basketball culture overall, just to ask our guests about their connection to the game itself. So um, what is your favorite basketball memory or your first basketball memory, any way you want to take it? Sure. So I think to kind of go back to the beginning a little bit, um, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, so obviously big LeBron fan. Um, when I was young, um, I played basketball growing up. My dad was a coach, so I feel like I kind of got introduced into the world of basketball through him. And I'll never forget the day he came home and said, we are going to go to a high school basketball game and we're going to go watch LeBron. And uh, it was a very cool, unique experience for me uh, because when we walked in, there was not anywhere to sit. And I remember saying, Dad, why can't we sit down? Like, why, why are we standing? And he pointed to LeBron and he was like, well, that's why. And it was just an amazing thing to see in person. I think I played basketball before then, but then seeing him and then somebody that was from Cleveland, it was such a cool experience. Um, and then I went to play AAU and I played high school. And with my dad being a coach, I feel like it was something that we bonded over. So we ended up watching games on TV. Uh, we ended up watching college, NBA, literally anything we could get our hands on. So that was really my uh first basketball memory and probably one of my favorites. Can you describe your journey to production? So you mentioned you played basketball growing up mm -hmm. and you now get on the opposite the media inside of things. What was that journey like for you? Definitely. Um, I think as I got into high school and was getting ready to figure out what I wanted to do in college, I knew I wanted to work in sports and I liked journalism. I liked media. I liked writing, reporting. Um, so I kind of knew that was going to be my major. What I didn't realize is that I was going to be behind the camera. So uh, when I first started out, I, I wanted to be on air. I wanted to be a, a sideline reporter, which I feel like a lot of people do. Um, and then I had my first internship uh, my senior year of college and I fell in love with the behind the scenes and the aspects of production and the creativity and the real storytelling that you could do from a producer's perspective. So um, through that internship, I was like, okay, let me see what production's all about. And uh, I, after I graduated college at West Virginia University, shout out Mountaineers, um, I got my first real sports journalism job at ESPN up in Bristol. And that's when I was a production assistant. I was working on SportsCenter. I was working on cutting highlights for these, for these studio shows. And while I loved and learned a lot there, I realized that right then and there that I was like, I just miss basketball. So from ESPN, I made the transition to T Turner, NBA on TNT and NBA TV. And what I loved about it was that like my main priority was basketball. I could focus solely on the NBA and less on, you know, some of the other sports I was covering at ESPN. So um, that's kind of how I ended up down in Atlanta at Turner. 
So can you go over the environment of inside the NBA? It's just a show I've been growing up watching, I think, for unanimously through basketball fans, the best show on television, not only basketball, but it's t- television, period. Um, it's, it's right up there. So can you just decide, can it go over just the environment to foster that creativity to foster that layback attitude that you know us matt and i see as the viewer at home we enjoy it every week what kind of fosters that you know in product a hundred percent um that's what i love about the show uh it's it's definitely like a family the people that have worked on it have worked on it for a very long time it's kind of like a well-oiled machine at this point but one of the longtime producers tk one of his favorite sayings is ideas come from anywhere and they essentially will allow anyone at the company to pitch ideas and to brainstorm and to work through them and to ideate it's just a very open and honest place when it comes to communication and and coming up with some of these crazy ideas that they do on the show um i've had the, you know, the nice opportunity to be a part of a bunch of those neato stat of the nights where I've been at a brainstorm on a Monday and then seeing it come to fruition on a Thursday. So it's very, very cool when something like that, like an idea that you pitch or an idea that you workshop with other coworkers gets to make it to the final, to the final show. But um, yeah, I, I think just fostering that creativity by allowing ideas come from anywhere, brainstorms, working, workshopping things, and um, really being open to make fun of themselves as well. I think that opens so many doors when you're don't take it too seriously and you let the viewer at home know that you're having a good time. Yeah, it kind of sounds like, I mean, such a symbiotic benefit there that you have anyone pitching ideas so everyone's motivated that they know that that could develop into something there. Do you find that it's it's really unique to not necessarily just Turner, but in in media overall, is is that pretty unique to see that open of a policy? Or do you think more and more places adapt that as as we press on in time here? I think as uh, with social media, we are starting to notice a lot of that. I think people now are taking the humorous approach. Um, they're taking more of the lightheartedness approach to covering sports because I think Truthfully, I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that. I think uh, during the NBA bubble and during the pandemic, we realized that sports are an escape and that as fans, we, you know, we missed it so much. And I think uh, we realized that there are other more serious things going on in the world. So it's like, let's have some fun. Let's bring some light into these people's living rooms. And um, I, I think a lot more people are starting to media companies specifically are starting to kind of switch to that, to that take a little bit. And then with, the side of social media, you're allowing your your on-air talent and your personalities to really shine and to have better access to fans. So um, I, I definitely see a change in that specifically in the last like two or three years. Now, I've always wanted to ask this question. It's one of my favorite segments on Inside the NBA, and that is Shaq and a Fool. And I think it's gone through different iterations, and I just want to get kind of the beginning process of when you're picking the plays, you talking to Shaq, and developing the memes as well, because I think the your guys' uh, memes are untouched, and just the internet as well. It's just pretty incredible. Cause can you take us through that creative process? Sure. So um, last year, it's kind of a great question because last year was my first year really getting involved with Shaq and a Fool. Um, There is one creative brain kind of leading the charge there. His name is Chan Traub. He's one of my coworkers. Great, great guy. 
Um, but essentially it's a team effort and it's a lot of people brainstorming in a room, uh, coming up with the plays. And then we have an extremely talented VFX artist, graphic artist that do the photoshops and the cutouts. And um, what, what I think really helps too is having people involved in those brainstorms that aren't just familiar with what's going on in the NBA currently, but are super involved with knowing what the show's history is. So that's one of my favorite parts of Shaq is when they bring back moments from Shaq and Chuck from 10 plus years ago. And there's people in these meetings and in these creative ideation sessions that know the show inside and out. And they'll be like, oh, I think this moment would work great from like 15 years ago. And you're just like, what? So having those people in the room that may necessarily not know the league currently right now, but know the history of inside is super smart and super helpful. Are there any memorable um, shaft in the full moments that that come to mind oh, yeah. that got a huge reaction, or were you like really worried about the players' reaction? You're like, oh, I don't know if they took that well. Definitely the players one's always a little dicey, especially when Shaq and Chuck get, get going, especially in the reactions. <laughs> I will say one of my most recent favorite ones was um that we called a mop guy and it was a guy that essentially was mopping the floor, the sweat of the floor. And we ended up cutting him out and then using him multiple times through multiple weeks of the season. <laughs> and we would have him come in and out multiple times. So that was a really fun one to do and just so random, but like sometimes the most random things get great reactions. Um, and then the writing of the script is also really fun because we have to come up with like something that Shaq will feel comfortable saying, but then also make it, try either rhyme or be funny so i feel like the script writing is like an underrated part of shaq in a fool obviously the visuals are amazing but like sometimes the delivery that shaq uses is, is amazing as well so i want to zoom out a tiny bit we we don't often have folks involved in production uh like you are morgan on the show and can you just put into perspective i mean you don't you don't have to go into great detail but i guess i'm wondering just on like a night of inside the NBA, what is the process from, from like start to finish, like getting through that show, how much production is going on beforehand and planning, I assume quite a bit uh, mm -hmm. to getting that produced and, and aired and then closing out for the night. Can you just kind of walk us through a typical night on that show from what you've seen? For sure, um, especially now with actually TNT having two and two NBA nights, so games are on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So mm. a lot of the times with those crews, they split the crews. So essentially, the same crew isn't working both nights um, because, like you mentioned, it's a lot of preparation and pre-producing on the on the front end. So um, if you're usually working the Tuesday nights, you don't work Thursday. If you're working the Thursday nights, you don't work Tuesday. Depending, hit or miss here and there. Um, but a lot of the time, it's the producer and the director um, kind of orchestrating their plan early on in the week and then relying on um, all the other crew members to come up with ideas as well and, and work together. I would say a typical night you get in to the studio um, maybe around two o'clock in the afternoon and you get done around 2 a.m. They're very long days, very long nights, but it's it's one of the most um, fun experiences of Inside is not when the show is going on, but when the show is in break and you're all in one room watching the games together. So that's another aspect that I really love. Um, maybe Shaq and Chuck are doing some shenanigans or falling asleep in their chair or whatever they may be doing. <laughs> but uh, it, it is long nights and it's long hours, a lot of prep on the front, but it's it's so fun and so worth it. 
can you go over just the impromptu moments as well? Because it, it seems like there's also some breaking news that happens. I think what, I, what mm-hmm. comes to mind, I think it was the Clippers and I think the Rockets, I, I mean, it might be mistaken, but there was, I think the cops came in there and they were worried about like some kind of brawl taking place. And I think she asked, yeah, 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 they were like, this is ridiculous. Why are the cops here? And I think they had the silent reporter totally cracking up. That is, there's just a lot of those impromptu moments that oh, they don't yeah. see planned, but they're the best moments of the show. Can you kind of go over, can you, how do you take advantage of those moments? Totally. Um, I also think that they trust each other, right? Everybody on the show trusts each other. And I think in order for impromptu moments to work, you need to trust. You need to know when to press when to let them go and when to rein them in, right? Um, I think Ernie obviously does a great job of that, but uh, from a production spot as well, like you need to know when to let things roll and then when to wrap things up. So I think sometimes people might be a little quick to jump the gun and be like, let's halt the brakes here. We're getting into crazy territory, <laughs> but sometimes that's when the best moments happen. So I think it's finding that balance of trust with your talent and then also like trust with your production crew. Um, and then obviously them having trust with each other and with all the side reporters, like uh, it really is a, is like a family and everybody uh, has that crazy uncle, right? So I think that that's kind of how it is. And uh, it's just finding that balance. So we've seen other networks, other um, leagues try to emulate inside the NBA, and usually it does not go well or they abandon it. What do you think in terms of their approaches was gone wrong? Because it seems like on surface, a pretty easy formula to emulate, but in execution, it is not. And like you were stating earlier, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of preparation, and there's a lot of planning to execute the vision of inside the NBA. What do you think has gone wrong with just the other leagues that have tried to kind of emulate that style? Um, Just similar to basketball itself, chemistry. I think chemistry is huge. I think chemistry among talent um, is sometimes... It can't be forced. Uh, It has to be natural. Um, I think that's something that obviously Insight has going for it for how long they've been on the year. Um, That just comes with time. Uh, I also think, like I mentioned earlier, like being able to make fun of yourself is such a key skill. I think sometimes on other networks, it feels a little too stuffy. It feels a little too serious. It feels a little too X's and O's and analytical. Uh, We all love basketball. I feel like our fans love basketball. They know basketball, but sometimes they tune into inside for, for more than just that. And I think remembering that also it's entertainment at the end of the day. So um, it's definitely something that is, is hard to copy for sure. Do you have any memorable moments in terms of just working on inside the NBA, those late nights, does anything come to mind with this Shaq or Charles or Kenny, just in terms of any bizarre stories that you can think of? Um, One of my personal faves is, so since I'm from Cleveland, I'm a big Cleveland sports fan. Um, And as you guys know, when a playoff team gets eliminated, they do gone fishing. So one of the years, it was right around, uh, it was NFL playoffs, believe it or not. And the Browns had just eliminated the Steelers uh, from the playoffs. The Browns got their first playoff win in, I don't know how long, like 13 years. And they did a Steelers gone fishing on the show, which I was featured in, which was awesome. My picture was on gone fishing. And hearing hearing Shaq and Chuck say, oh, there's Morgan, there's Morgan, like on the gone fishing was just like, you know, 10 year old me would not believe it, right? Like I'm on inside for real. Like that was kind of one of my favorite moments personally, just because I got a little bit of, a little bit of clout there. <laughs> 
want to ask you about uh, just kind of more broadly modern sports media. Uh, it seems like on the journalism side, and I'm sure on the production side as well, I guess my question is, do you ever feel like you get time off with the way information uh, travels now with social media? Do you ever feel like there are nights off? Yeah, I will say they're getting few and far between, it feels like, especially <laughs> with the way the season's working and the play-in tournament and all of that. But um, August is a great month. I'll put it that way. August is a pretty light, <laughs> a light month for everybody. Uh, take our vacations, go to the beach, do what you got to do. But uh, everyone knows that it's a pretty much a grind for, you know, X amount of months per year, but it's also so fun. Um, there's certain events, like I just got back from all-star summer league draft, that even though they technically aren't during the regular season, it's a great way for the media and everybody to all get together and network and um, talk about what's going on with them and their personal lives in and outside of work. So yes, it's gotten busier. Yes. It's gotten more crazy, but uh, there is, Sometimes you can steal here and there. It seems like on the production side, I, I guess I'd be curious of your perspective. I mean, it seems like you have to stay as well or just about as well informed about what's going on as like the sports writer side, because you all are, are helping with the writing of what you're producing. Do you think, um, I mean, it's, it's about neck and neck between the sports journalists and sports producers and maybe even more so on the production side. Yeah, we always laugh that reporters can always just say reports and get away with pretty much saying anything because <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily fair. Um, but yeah, with production, I mean, essentially, once you put it on the air uh, or put it on a graphic or say it out loud, it's definitely there forever, right? So there's a little bit more uh, finality with that, I feel like. And then especially with uh, NBA and TNT being like essentially a league partner, we have to be very careful about um, what we report and how we report it and how it makes the league look. Um, just because we're not necessarily there to like break news first. We want to be right. So um, I think that there's definitely an aspect to that that's different from reporting in the sense that we need to clear everything and make sure we're good before we just jump on it. Whereas sometimes I think reporters, to, to, to their knowledge, are trying to get it out as quickly as possible. But with us, I think it's a little bit more, let's wait a beat, make sure this is right, make sure this is in the right tone of voice, make sure this is what we want to portray, um, which is nice. And it, and it makes you feel good. Um, but there are those moments when breaking news happens and you know you have to do something quickly that can be extremely nerve-wracking. So, Morgan, I want to ask you about Bleacher Report because I think it's one of the most unique sites covering sports on the web and I, I love your guys' content in particular taylor rooks's interviews as well i think those are really fascinating to watch can you kind of walk us through your philosophy in terms of the sports coverage you want to bring to sports fan that separates yourself from the other big sites out there for sure um bleacher report we like to say is at the intersection of sports and, and pop culture so essentially we are trying to use bleacher report to get to a little bit of our younger audience but then also get to people that may not be the crazy hoop head like on nba tnt um so we're trying to first of all we cover all sports not just nba which is awesome and then pop culture as well so kind of intersecting those memes that you might see on shackton but like amplifying them in a fun unique way um is, is kind of bleacher reports voice another thing that i love about bleacher report and if i sound like too much of a homer that's okay but the uh app alerts that they do with their app i think is 
set them apart from a lot of other sports apps. They use a tone of voice and a language that we are all familiar with talking when we talk about sports with our buddies on the couch or with our family or with our friends. And I think it's really smart and it's a really good way to get people that may not be um, crazy fans into becoming Bleacher Report fans. Can you discuss the potential of Bleacher Report and the app in particular? Because I've used the app just to watch, um, you know, AEW with their partnership with TNT. I've noticed other events for um, pay-per-view being integrated into the Bleacher Report app. Where do you see it going? Do you see it being more of a competitor to DAZN, ESPN Plus, kind of all in one, you know, new source, but also presenting events. Where do you think the app's future, if you were to get to not, you know, the, if things are secret, you have to get those away. But just to your, you know, um, I guess predictions, where do you see the app moving into the future? I think recently we, as we've all seen, is a ton of live streams. So watching like a Taylor Rooks interview live in the BR app is definitely um, a push that we're doing is a lot more live streams and then catering to team specific fans um, with video content. So um, if you were a fan of like say the Atlanta Hawks and you were following the Atlanta Hawks page within the BR app, I think we're trying to come up with content, whether that's historical career video or um, tweets from the players currently, we're trying to kind of cater to the team specific part of the BR app as well as, as really get into the live streams and then just show off the access that we have. It's a very unique, um, situation with BR and Turner kind of working hand in hand. So BR is having similar access to what NBA on TNT has and vice versa. So kind of working that partnership into the app and really just um, using that access to, to bring fans like as close to the game as possible. It's interesting, you know, some of the content that we've put out, um, what has caught fire the most that I've noticed is team specific coverage, which I, I wouldn't have expected compared to some of the other things that we've put out. But to me, it kind of speaks to maybe there is still this, this like hardcore team fan following, even though, especially in the NBA world, we always talk about like modern day fans being fans of players more so than mm -hmm. teams. But is that something you notice from Bleacher Report? Like, is is there still a huge appetite for the team-specific news? Or what is kind of your perspective from uh, from that view of things? Yeah, I think like you hit the nail on the head with the hardcore fans. I think there still is that group of people that will be a hardcore fan. I think with the way the player movement has been in the league, specifically as of late, like Russell Westbrook, right? Perfect example, playing for a different LA team in a couple days. So I think seeing that uh, change and seeing the player movement, definitely with a younger audience, I feel like they're more player focused. I feel with the older audience, they're definitely more team focused. Um, I feel like I kind of fall somewhere in between um, with being a millennial. I feel like I, I grew up in Cleveland. Like I said, I'm a huge Cleveland sports fan for everything. I also think it's geographical, right? A little bit. So like, depending on where you grew up and if your parents or your grandparents or people in your family rooted for certain teams, it can be generational at the same time. But I think there's still an appetite for it. I just think that the younger generation is definitely leaning more towards the player angle. And with that, how do you incorporate, 
what Draymond Green would say, new media, plus players actually taking control of their narrative and now having their own platforms to present their own stories, bypassing just dealing with reporters or trying to get on a network or doing both or having their platform and then also, you know, being on a traditional network. Um, how do you kind of, you know, incorporate, you know, that rising medium as well? Yeah, I think it's great. I I actually really enjoy, you know, uh, that type of content. Um, As somebody that works in production, I feel like it's refreshing. Um, I think that truthfully, a lot of these athletes get involved and they realize that there's a lot more to it than I think than what they thought originally. And Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes that maybe they weren't aware of before. But I, I like listening to it. I like watching it. I like digesting that content. I think it's super interesting. Um, Jamal Crawford, I think, comes to mind. He is a new addition to the TNT Tuesday crew this year. Was never really involved with social media. Notoriously had a BlackBerry for years and years and years. And then this year has kind of um, blossomed onto the onto the set and then started his own social media. He has his own segment now on NBA TV called like Crawford's Couch, where he interviews uh, current players on couch. So I think... Uh, it's really, you know, unique and refreshing to see players kind of take it into their own hands. And uh, I, I really like it. Allison, this has been a fantastic chat. Uh, more of you, I'm sorry, my mistake. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Can you please let us know where it can, can find you on social media? Uh, what kind of upcoming projects that you're working on as well? Sure, sure. My personal handle on Instagram and Twitter is Morgan Farr Allison, uh, Morgan F-A-R-R Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N. A lot of my content that I produce for Bleacher Report is on the Bleacher Report TikTok page. Um, And then for Inside the NBA every Thursday night. And uh, I'm excited to, to see where the rest of the season goes. Awesome, Morgan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys, for having me. Hoopsology podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best, as you know, in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Hoopsology at Manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and all man is a game changer. A huge shout out goes to Manscaped for hooking Matt and I up with the Performance Package. Inside this package, you'll find a lot of useful items. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer that you've probably heard of before. You'll also find their new weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. You'll find crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner. Don't sleep on those products, gentlemen. Performance boxer briefs and a travel bag. And for my bearded brethren, and I know there are a lot of you out there, be sure to check out the new Beard Hedger, which is a tool that makes managing your beard so much easier. 20 different instantly adjustable length options, no more messing with multiple clips with your trimmer. It's a really slick and ingenious product. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Hoopsology. That's H-O-O-P-S-O-L-O-G-Y at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Hoopsology. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. We thank Manscaped for supporting the show.